Welcome to the latest episode of Apple at Work, a podcast where we talk about all things uh, Apple and the enterprise. And I have uh, a special guest coming back this week, uh, first time in 2022. Um, we have the CEO of Jamf. Uh, Dean, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific, Bradley. Thanks for having me. You know, we've talked on this show a number of times, and uh, we, gosh, you know, you and I have known each other for at least five, six years at this point. And, and I will say, one of the biggest uh, shifts in the, I guess, the Apple sphere of technology, and you could even argue overall technology, uh, certainly from the end user perspective, uh, we saw in the last uh, you know, 14, 13, 14 months, it was Apple Silicon. And, and, and there have been podcast after podcast, article after article. Just really praising Apple Silicon, um, and it's it's a what what Apple has done uh, to me is one of the greatest technological shifts in my lifetime. Um, from an end user perspective, I would put it up there uh, above uh, flash storage in your computer, and uh, it's, it's just you know it's just, again I, I just love it. It's fantastic, and wanted to to have you on the show to talk about how Jamf sees Apple Silicon really permeating through enterprises across your customer base. Uh, sure, happy to. I, I agree with you that uh, Apple Silicon has really changed the industry, but it's also interesting that it's happening at a time that there's all these other changes that would have likely moved the industry faster towards Mac anyway. For instance, the pretty substantial change in the demographics of uh, the workforce as more and more baby boomers are retiring and the workforce uh, becomes younger in the coming years. The massive consumerization of IT that is the has been accelerated by the greatest movement of people going to work out of their homes ever. All of these movements would have moved the world toward Mac faster. And then right in the middle of it, as if they knew all of it was going to happen, Apple comes out with silicon, which um, it just it, it's the right product that to take advantage of some market dynamics at the right time. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it really was this perfect combination and really in a world where we no longer value raw speed as the be all end all um, it's, it's energy is energy is something that really uh, is, is ultimately, you know, where you kind of want to conserve it, use it uh, and, and the speed at which you go faster, isn't always better in a lot of ways with especially with things that involve batteries, efficiency drives top speed. I and mean, we can even go that to the electric vehicles. You know, would you rather go 120 miles an hour for 50 miles or 70 miles an hour for 300 miles? And that's uh, that's the, probably the best analogy I can give to Apple Silicon. And we've seen that some in the news, like Intel came out with a new report this week about a, a chip that's faster than Apple Silicon. And, and, I, and I read that, I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't, it doesn't have to be the fastest. It has to be the fastest. It has to be the most, most efficient at the same time. And like right now, for example, I'm on battery power. And, I, you know, you can even remember like Max from a couple of years ago, you, you wouldn't get on a, a recording with somebody with like live video, live audio and think, I'm just going to be on battery power. And Apple Silicon has, has taken it to where you can just be on battery for long periods of time and not think about it in much the same way you were iPhone, iPad. You just you used it until there was no battery left, and then you plugged it up and charged it and worked, and it was just kind of be all end all. You can go about your day. Um, what you know, as you've talked to, I, I know you probably talked to a lot of customers. 
What are what are your customers saying about Apple Silicon? You know, in their terms of like, are they looking to buy it early? Come off things, you know, replace Intel machines early. What's been the vibe with your customer base? Yeah, um, there's really two different topics here, and I'll call I'll say the user's perspective of the Mac with Silicon, and then of course the organization's perspective. And let me start with the users, and I wholeheartedly agree. I actually enjoy listening to those from Apple talk about the power efficiency as much as I enjoy uh, listening about the speed improvements. And it's really the total package. Now, with that said, to to your your listeners out there who are Talladega Night uh, fans, uh, you know, I'm Ricky Bobby. I just want to go fast, right? I, I really do enjoy the speed of the Mac. I'm not known for my great patience. And so, like, I do a lot of videos for our employees at Jamf where I'll just record looking into the uh, camera, especially so in the last uh, couple of years. And I'll just throw them into iMovie and I'll, I'll quickly do some editing and then I'll render them. Well, that was a process that used to, as soon as I would render uh, the file, I would go up and get a cup of coffee. And I'll never forget the first file that I rendered uh, after getting an M1 Mac. And I hit the button and I was getting up out of my chair and I sat right back down again because I realized it was going to finish in a couple of seconds. So let make no mistake, the speed is awesome. But the efficiency as well, I, I now treat my Mac in the same way that I treat my Apple Watch. I don't think about the battery at all during the day. I plug it in when I'm going to go to bed. And that just creates incredible freedom. And then the other benefits like, you know, how instant it is, like you said, like the iPad and iPhone where it's just awake immediately. It's silent without a fan, or at least my MacBook Air is. Uh, cool. It never is warm on my lap. Um, and it was non-disruptive. I mean, the moment that they were announced, I bought mine. I never had to check with IT if it was okay to buy mine. I, I, it was going to work. It was going to run the applications that I needed. And of course, since we, of course, run Jamf to support our Macs, I knew, knew it was going to be non-disruptive in the workplace. So there are just... It, it was a total package. It wasn't just a speed thing. And I agree with you. When I see, you know, oh, so-and-so's chip may be as fast or could be faster, you know, I, I sit back and go, wait a second, but does it have the whole package uh, the way that the uh, Apple Silicon does with the Mac? So from a user's perspective, uh, that's the way I look at it. And from an organization's perspective, though, it's a little bit different because I would argue you know, and if you want to chat about it, we can. I don't think that the M1 has hit its stride in organizations yet because of some of the security, um, I'll say snafus that some organizations ran in with their security providers being ready, that they haven't fully started to adopt the M1s yet at the rate that the users want to adopt them. What's been the the technical snafu slash holdup with security vendors? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was talking to a customer, gosh, it would have been, you know, shortly after the M1 came out and they asked, they kind of had the attitude. I was speaking to the CIO of saying, well, you know, Apple did it to us. They came out with this machine that we can't support. And I was like, really? What, why is that? And they said, well, you know, our security uh, 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 solution is broken. I said, well, was that, was that Apple's fault? Uh, and I just drilled into that a little bit because, you know, if you followed this, you know, it was June of 2019. 
at WWDC that Apple came out and said, hey, we're going to deprecate kernel extensions in time. So get going, get your applications ready to not use kernel extensions. And it was a full almost year and a half later when Big Sur and the M1 came out. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of organizations out there that got an email or an announcement pretty quick saying we're actually not ready to support Big Sur and the M1. And if we're going to support the M1, we've got to use it with Rosetta, which is not something you want to do with your security solution. Um, so, I mean, Apple gave plenty of warning to uh, adapt to this. Jamf, of course, launched Jamf Connect in that window after uh, Apple told us what they were going to do. We launched a security solution to be ready. But there weren't very many security providers that were ready. And as a result, the enterprise adoption, as awesome as it was, could have been much more awesome. And I think that that's still out there to be had. Yeah. You all announced in December that I believe the number was like 74% of your customers uh, had at least one Mac with um, M1 Apple Silicon in it. And, and again, I'm sure that number has even gone up as we've seen the 16-inch MacBook Pro, 14-inch MacBook Pro. And I'm sure that number will continue to go up uh, as Apple brings out uh, the Mac Pro. Now, and I, and I think you make a great point where it's not Apple's fault that you had that an organization and, and not really even an organization, a security provider had technical debt. The writing's been on the wall for longer than 2019, you need to get your technical stuff in order. Um, and, and it was it was a lot easier to kick the can down the road. And, and in some ways, it was a lot easier to hold back an OS update. But now what you've done is you've eliminated an entire class of computers. And then furthermore, you are probably not long away from not even being able to buy computers. I mean, there is a, there is a day that is not 10 years away, but not five months away, where Intel machines will no longer be sold. Will they be supported? Sure. But I mean, when Apple has everything across the line, Apple Silicon, uh, they, they, you won't be able to probably buy from Apple brand new Intel machines because they won't be needed and nobody wants them. I, I can think of really, in some ways, no piece of technology that I would buy for almost any cost than an Intel Mac. <laughs> It just, I have no, I have no use for it. And you're, you're so right. Exactly. They're going the way of the, the, the dinosaur uh, with, without question. And, and, you know, Jeff talks about our same day readiness frequently, but those that don't use a Mac don't understand uh, the importance of that because Mac, users in the Mac experience is no knock against Windows, but it is different than the Windows experience. You don't wait to upgrade your Mac when an operating system comes out. People, just like with your iPhone and iPad, you assume that you're going to the moment that that operating system comes out. That is simply not the case with Windows. So, you know, many are not receiving the Mac experience because they're hanging on to the Windows way. And the Windows way is perfectly fine for Windows users. But the Mac way has got to be the way for Mac users. And so, 
having a security infrastructure and management infrastructure that says you don't even have to check with IT to see whether they're ready when Apple comes out with a new operating system. You can just move to it without question. Like I moved to a brand new processor without question because I just knew Jamf was going to be ready internally. That's the Apple experience. And people want that experience. And now with, with Silicon, they get that experience with <laughs> a whole bunch of other benefits as well. You know, I'm really thinking back to one thing I meant to mention earlier. If you know, we're talking about raw speed, and I, and I mentioned to someone yesterday, we were talking about um, speed versus efficiency. And I said, look, if it was just about power, we would be using PowerBooks with the G15 chip. There was a reason Apple left PowerPC, and then there was a reason they left Intel. It was at both times, it was power efficiency. It wasn't raw power. I mean, obviously, the G5 was in the iMac, it was in the Power Mac, uh, but you couldn't fit it into a laptop and not and have a good experience. And, and same thing with Intel. It, at the time in 2008, that was the best thing for Apple. Flash, you know, flash forward to you know, this decade, Apple Silicon, Apple can do it better. They can do it more efficient. They can do, you know, find that better balance. Again, absolutely powerful, absolutely fast but the most efficient fast. Uh, and, and I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, I think that, you know, you make a great point about chain in some ways, Apple has made, if, if you design your network, right, you design your infrastructure, right. Changing a pro, a processors, you know, type going from Intel to Apple Silicon is almost like an, a, an easy thing to do is as, as easy as doing like an OS point upgrade. I mean, because one thing people you, know, you mentioned like organizations saying like, look, you can't go to Big Sur because our security protocol doesn't re- isn't ready. I don't know if there's something more hilarious than a security thing forcing you back from an operating system update. Um, and, and again, a lot of these organizations probably still don't have a good path forward on that if they're still hanging on to a security vendor that doesn't yet support uh, the, the kind of new way of, of you know doing things. It's the world doesn't exist where you can, again, you block want to block operating system updates for 90 days to maintain compatibility or verify compatibility. Sure. You get six, seven, eight, nine months away from that release. You're just running the an insecure operating system. And again, as Apple patching some zero days sure if there's if there's some but it, our world doesn't work where you can stay on windows xp for 5 years when there's two new releases out that world doesn't exist anymore you have to keep moving because security threats keep coming hackers keep working on the old thing for the people that don't upgrade, uh, you got to get on the new thing. And I don't think, and Apple's made that easy though. Like they're, you know, it used to be even three or four years ago. It's like upgrading your Mac OS was like, okay, this is a weekend project. And now um, I was helping, uh, there, there's a guy I go to church with, you know, he's probably mid seventies. He had a Mac that was running. He, he called me. He's like, Hey, can you help me clean up some stuff on my Mac? I said, sure. And he was on, I helped him say he was on Mojave. And obviously that's a couple of years old. And, we were like on a remote, I had remoted into his computer, had it send him an invite. Um, and of course that was challenging because I had to show him how to do the accessibility to give the app permissions, but we got it. And I appreciate Apple's forethought there, but I said, Hey, you need to upgrade to um, Monterey. It'll take about 20 minutes. Uh, you just we're gonna click upgrade. And I said, just call me if there's any issues. I said, just any questions answer positively. <laughs> and that's magical. Like I can tell someone that's not computer savvy at all. Like, Hey, we're going to do a major operating system upgrade. Uh, it'll be fine. And it will be fine. And I, I don't think that people kind of realize in the enterprise, how magical that is for it professionals that going to a new version of Mac OS 
isn't like a whole month of work. Like obviously you do testing in the summer, you test your main things, you test your main apps, but it, it isn't like a, we're going to have to move mountains to get people upgraded. It's like, Hey, maybe like when you finish work on Friday, just hit the upgrade button and it'll be ready on Monday when you come back. That's pretty magical. Think of the massive projects and the massive amount of energy that went into the corporate worldwide, uh, you know, global world with the movement, the upgrades from Windows 7 to Windows 10. I mean, we're talking years and unbelievable number of millions of dollars went into that upgrade. And if that notion of upgrade planning just sort of went away because everybody just stayed up to date on the latest Apple stuff in the way that, you know, my daughters all stayed up to date on their iPhones because every time iOS would come out, they would just upgrade themselves. That if the work world can be that way, not only with iOS, but now with macOS as well, and just stay upgraded all the time and never have an upgrade project that you need to work uh, off of. And you made a really interesting point. This notion that somehow you're more secure by delaying a software update is an oxymoron, or I don't know if that's the right terminology, but it's, it's, it's the exact opposite thinking of what security professionals try and encourage, which is stay up to date on software and you will be more secure. The notion that some security companies are saying, no, you actually should stay up to date because the security software is not ready. That's just, that's not the right approach. The right approach is always be ready with the operating systems so that the users can always upgrade at any time they want and any time they need. So it's great from an efficiency standpoint because support organizations don't have to have upgrade projects. And it's great from a security standpoint because everybody's always up to date. Yeah, I don't, I'm not seeing the downside to this argument of, of updating within 90 days. Uh, I mean, I think that's what Apple recommends. That's what they allow in the MDM protocol. You can delay updates for 90 days. Um, I, I, that's There's no downside to upgrading. I, it's maybe right. some training. And then not, not even that as much because you think about it. Like when you look at like the core apps that get updated on, say, Monterey, like there's not massive changes. No, I think we. Sh- I want to see some massive changes on the mail app. I think the mail app is stale, but I get Apple, why Apple doesn't update it. But I think a lot of enterprises are just using Outlook. And Microsoft has done a lot with Outlook. It's a good app. Um, but, you know, it's, like, it's, 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 and that goes what you do when you do a 12 month cycle. When we were doing 18 month cycles, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago, obviously it was a bigger change. Um, and and I, I thought about that a lot. You know, we talk about, um, you know, people say, oh, Snow Leopard was the most stable Apple operating system of all time. And it's like, look, it really wasn't. And that's like, you just don't remember what it was like. There were some bad bugs early on. But also, like, when you had Snow Leopard, like, iPhone 2 was out. Like, getting Active Sync on an iPhone was a big headline feature. I mean, you think about where the world's come since then. Like, I can copy something on my Mac clipboard and it's on my iPhone. Like, don't tell me the Mac and iOS isn't stable when I can just like copy and paste across the cloud. It's magical stuff. Um, and, and again, like, I, but again, we get these updates and it's like every year, it's like, well, that's just generally works fine. And again, there's some occasional bugs, but, and, and again, like if you want to wait until like the 12.1, personally, if you want to wait until like 12.1 upgrade or 13.1, sure. That's, that's not a bad, or maybe even 13.02. Those are always good. Um, but Apple has just done a good job of building ways for apps to just work across the updates. And I also think people that build apps and services for Apple, particularly in the enterprise, 
Um, they have gotten better about testing over the summer. And, and Apple's given a good enough lead time. It's like, look, people are going to upgrade day one. Uh, we need we need to be ready. Like, And like, this isn't what it was when it was Vista and 10. And Microsoft has to like pull people through the, the upgrade chasm. Like, you know, people on the flip side with Apple, they just want to upgrade. They want the latest features. They want the new UI tweaks. Um, so absolutely. Now, last question before we wrap up. You know, we're getting close to time here. What are your thoughts? I've had this thought process with remote work where like there is no IT help desk physically where you could walk and like, hey, I spilt water on my computer or my trackpad doesn't work. What are your thought processes? Again, we got three years from now. Let's say you deploy Apple Silicon today. I think those computers are good for six years uh, if the batteries hold up. What do you think? You've got a device coming off the lease, you know, buy out the lease. Tell employees, hey, I'm going, we're going to use the Erase all content and settings on this computer uh, because we want corporate data wiped off of it. But hey, we want you to keep this in your desk. And if you run into a hardware issue, this is going to be kind of your your loaner to get you until we can get that one repaired. What are you? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's really interesting. I think that the whole notion of remote work is going to just change a lot of those policies. And I'll even go as far as saying, you know, I am aware of companies who, when they deployed Mac told the Mac users, you're not going to get IT support because we're not ready for that. Well, we will enroll you in JAMP and and you'll be secure and you'll be all of that, but you're actually going to get community support. We're going to create a kind of a discussion group for you to get support from your fellow Mac users, but you're not going to get IT support. And lo and behold, they found that those employees were happier not having access to IT support because they were using what they wanted and they leveraged the Mac community within the workforce in order to get support. The whole model for what it means to support somebody working out of their home, whether it be you know zero touch deployments, having a backup uh, of Mac, uh, leasing, uh, the type of, do you call IT? Obviously nobody gets visits. That, that whole model, I think, is in the midst of changing um, and changing for the better and in a way where things don't have to be so single threaded uh, through the ITT. Uh, so, no, I'm excited about it. And I think that, um, you know, the more we can treat the end users within a company as if they are a consumer and the IT team is simply the, you know, the, the, the creator of the technology that is sent out to the end user, but, but that they're truly a customer. They're not an employee, that they're a, they're a consumer. I, I think if we think that way, we're just going to create a much, much better work environment for those individuals. Yeah, it's one of those mindsets. It, when an, a forward-thinking IT department they see themselves as like an innovation hub or how can we best help users? Now, again, you've got to put up your, you know, it's like in bowling, if you have the bumpers, like you got to put in the bumpers for security. Uh, you got to, I mean, that, that's obviously, you know, information security never been more important and, and we've never needed, you know, uh, competent IT professionals that understand security. Um, and certainly with security cloud environments, security local apps, absolutely. Uh, but the forward-thinking IT departments looks, looks like how can we best serve our users? How can we best make them happy with their tools? Um, their tools are technologists in just the same way as a carpenter uses a drill. Um, and how do we how do we best serve them? I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, IT is evolving, and I think it's a, I think the the it's evolving for the better. And I think IT is happier, and I think end users are happier at the same time. 
You're absolutely right. And, you know, if there's a if there's a vision for what we're trying to do here at Jamf, both for our own employees and then also for our, our customers' employees, I don't know if you remember when at the event when Apple Silicon was announced, uh, Craig Federighi was actually giving a demo and he he lifted up the lid on the Mac just a little bit to show how fast it would wake up. That imagery of him lifting up that lid and have it wake up instantly, we actually use internally at Jamf and we daydream about what does that look like in the work environment? So you lift the lid, it's awake instantly, and then super easy passwordless instant authentication to, to your machine and your cloud identity. The immediate encrypted access to enterprise resources, the instant protection from vulnerability with without impacting performance and the automatic separation of user data from work data. And that all of that is almost as instant as the lifting the lid. That's the way remote work is supposed to be. And yet the organization still stays as or better protected. But when I think of that, I think of that as being the Apple way. And of course we try to make that the jam way. It's a great place to end it. And I agree with you. It's, it's like security by invisibility, uh, that the users are secure, and they, but they don't even really have to think about it. Just the technology does it for them. Uh, Dean, thanks for coming on the show. As always, uh, we'll have some links. Uh, I, want, I want to link specifically in the show notes to the report you all did where um, 74% of your customers were using Apple Silicon. And again, this was last year. So this, I'm sure this is growing every day. Um, again, keep up the good work at, at Jamf. You all have a new survey out uh, today, a new report out. Uh, it's a great report looking at some of the riskiest uh, IT st- uh, strategies that Apple organizations are, are, are doing. They're good to clean up. So again, it's a great, it's a great report. Uh, so we'll have that link to the show. Definitely go read that. Uh, if you're in IT, it's a great way to kind of do an audit. Like, Hey, are we, are we doing any these strategies? Uh, because the things that worked in 2020 don't work in 2022. Uh, so that's a great resource to download. Dean, we'll have you on again real soon. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it, uh, Bradley. Uh, very much enjoyed talking to everyone.